Welcome to another episode of The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. Today's episode has me so excited. Two of my favorite herbalists, Jessica Shepard and Allison Poklemba, are um, from Humboldt County, California. I have known them for years, especially my Jessica Shepard. They have inherited the Dandelion Herbal Center from Jade Bothwell up in Neyland, California. So this conversation is about their transition into um, Dandelion Herbal Center, as well as the importance of wild crafting or not wild crafting, depending on you know what herb we're talking about and how much we're talking about taking. We're going to talk about their new podcast, The Dandelion Diaries, how people can study with them online and in person at the Dandelion Herbal Center, and so much more. And um, a little bit about these two ladies. Jessica Shepard has been a community herbalist for over 17 years at Humboldt Herbals. She is a teacher, an aromatherapist, a distiller, and a product and magic maker. And I can tell you that her formulations are the most aromatic and delicious formulas and products I have ever had an opportunity to try. And I do not say those words lightly. Um, really, her formulations are incredible. And so thank you, Jessica, for all the love you put into these plants. Allison has a myriad of skill sets. She's a teacher, an herbalist, a botanist, an environmental educator, an author, mother, and friend. She's also a small business owner and has a publishing company called Backcountry Press that has some great books about hiking through forests and other places around Northern California. And so that is a great book to check out, or excuse me, a great uh, series of books to check out from Allison. So I'm very excited to share um, their knowledge with you. Thank you again for listening to The Herb Walk with Jessica Baker. And so on with the show. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Again, thanks for coming on the Herb Walk and um, talking to our listeners about your love of herbs and herbal education. And I'd like to just start with um, a little personal question for both of you, and that is, what got you interested in herbalism in the first place? Thanks for having us, Jessica. It's fun to be with you in this way from across the miles. Hey, everybody, this is Allison. Um, you know, what got me started was really like if I throw it all the way back to childhood, I have just always been in love with the sweet spot that is like the connection between people and plants. And I didn't know that that had something that you could call it until I was 
a college student studying botany here at Humboldt State, which is now Cal Poly Humboldt. And I had a friend who was taking herbal classes and she tuned me in to that as even a possibility. And I was just mitten right out of the gates. And I, and I just thought, this makes all these little activities that I was into from my childhood make sense of being out there and making little concoctions in my yard and trying to feed them to my little sister or just feeling like there was some way to go deeper with these plants that I was meeting. Awesome. Um, well, hello, Jessica. This is Jessica. Um, <laughs> so grateful to be on the Earth Walk with you. And I guess for me, um, yeah, I I definitely always had an, a kid, a, you know, a love for and a pull towards nature. Um, my mom in 1980 had me at home. She had a her home home birth with one midwife. And as I did get older and eventually found my way to herbalism, she used to always say, you know, I was in my super nature phase when I had you. And I know that's why you're my flower child, which I always thought was super sweet and endearing. But I'd say it probably wasn't until I did move up to the Redwoods when I was 19 years old. And again, always felt like any time I was in nature, I felt more peaceful and curious and connected. Um, and so when I got up to the redwoods from the desert of Las Vegas, um, it was a complete game changer for me. And I felt like I was just exposed to so many things. And I saw a flyer for Beginning with Herbs taught by, at that time, Jane Bothwell, of course. And I was like, what is this? This sounds so interesting and read the description and found a way to, you know, pull my pennies together and sign up for the class. And I went to the class and just my heart just exploded. I just was so in love with finally being introduced to plant medicine and all the, the options of things we can do with plants and how they can heal us. And it was just that early introduction where, um, you know, Jane passed around plant samples and we'd smell them and she'd tell us how to make a salve or something. And I just thought, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life. I want to be like Jane. I want to be Jane. And um, from there, I never stopped. And basically, my whole life has revolved around herbal studies, working at an herb shop now, the herb school, um, ever since. I'm very grateful. And um, we are all so grateful for Jane Bothwell. I know all of us got our herbal beginnings. So yeah, we all kind of got our start with Jane Bothwell at the Dandelion Herbal Center. Bye. I know she was my first teacher. And um, both of you have recently inherited the Dandelion Herbal Center from Jane. And I believe, according to the website, you both took your class, your first class there with Jane together. So your friendship blossomed through that, and now you both teach at the Dandelion Herbal Center. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that transition and, and how it's gone for you? Wow, we had some really big shoes to fill, it turned out, when we stepped into <laughs> Jane's. <laughs> and um, I took it as a really good sign that really, like, as we were figuring out this transition of what it would look like as Jane um, really passed that teaching torch on to us with us taking on our, our first classes, uh, teaching them solo. Jessica and I have both been teaching 
classes as part of Dandelion Herbal Center for many years. Um, I think I started doing so back in 2001. So that was some years ago, 20 year, something years ago. But once we dove into really taking on the full series of classes, it was it was a lot. Wow, the woman really put some wonderful thought, intention, love, wisdom, magic into all of the classes that she was teaching. And so like the night before we really stepped into it, I went to a clothing exchange in my neighborhood and I got these perfect pair of shoes for me. I slit my feet into them. They fit perfectly. And I wore them over to Jane's as we, she was kind of showing me some of the ropes. And she looked down at my feet. And she said, you know, I have those same exact shoes, don't you? And she <laughs> went over to her closet and she pulled out the same exact shoes, same color, everything. Only hers were um, worn for so long and really kind of like showing their wear. And mine were fresh and new. And it was just like such a great sign for me that we could step into these shoes of hers and it was it felt sort of you know like destiny here this was our journey and um we've completed one year of of taking these class series through their completion and we're starting year two and i don't know about you jessica but i feel like this year two is like we're able to work with the material and work with the students in kind of a different way because we're not so focused on putting it all in our own voices. Now we have found our voices and now we can kind of go deeper with it. It's been really, the first year was a lot and second year I think is a little more smooth. Yes, um, Allison, I do agree with that for sure. And I love, I love the magical shoe story because they are big shoes to fill. Um, and I definitely agree that, yeah, I mean, as many things for the first year, um, especially if you are eager and motivated and just obviously with the amount of what over 35 years of service and love and energy Jane poured into her school and rippled out through the students into their communities and families and beyond. Um, it was, um, yeah, quite an undertaking. Um, like you had said, I had been also a part of the Dandelion Herbal Center just as um, um, a guest teacher occasionally would fill in um, for, for classes for Jane. I also assisted um, her 10-month program many, many years in a row. And as I got further into repeating that process, um, I don't think I realized it consciously, but I was at a point where I was just absorbing things from her as a teacher and um, observing her teaching style and just how she just had such authenticity to share with such an open heart and um, was just so dedicated to her love of the plants. And I think that's what um, obviously connects so many of us, but also attracts so many people to feeling comfortable with stepping into a world if they are beginners um, and I just have such deep love for Jane as a personal friend and mentor and um, it's such an honor and um, also Allison I could not imagine um, having anyone but you to co-direct this um, the Dandelion Herbal Center with now and I think it's um, Definitely takes two of us <laughs> to fill some of those shoes of Jane. 
And plus love, a couple assistants. Yeah, plus a couple <laughs> of assistants that we love and adore. Um, and the way we can bring our, you know, all of our influences and our inner Jane way and then fuse that with our own experience and our own personality and our own skill sets that are unique and different and things we also share. Um, that just adds a whole new um yeah level of like diversity and fun and um it's the uh, dandelion herbal center 2.0 and um we just can't honor jane enough and it is always such a treat and um, pleasure when she makes her cameo appearances at class and then gets to head off into the garden or off to a massage as she enjoys this quieter phase in her life to um, slow down entirely with the teaching. Um, it's 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 so much that she really did, and I think until it was real for us just to do the two core programs she would do throughout a year. It's like, and she would do more on top of that. What and see clients and make products and all of these things. So um, yeah, just want to honor her so much. And um, this second year, absolutely, I feel like more fluid as far as like really just being in our stride. And um, it's exciting, and the students are just so incredible. And um, yeah, it's nice to be feeling a bit more comfortable with it and um, in our flow and add new things and shift some things around and also really appreciate those those things that just you know are foundational and aren't gonna aren't gonna really change. So, yeah, super exciting. Are you bringing back the visiting teacher series by any chance for those who do know the visiting teacher series? You know, to be honest, I have been like dreaming about that. So I hope so. I'm putting some feelers out there and seeing what we might be able to put together. I'd really love that. We've heard from so many students who miss it and have taken the core classes and want to keep enriching their experiences as herbalists. And I feel like it's a, a great service to past students to be able to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, and Jess, I, I hear you. I mean, as all of us have completed the program, it's like usually you want more. And so the fact that Jane um, would offer the Visiting Teachers series, um, for those of you don't, that maybe don't know, she would bring uh, various teachers out from around the country and sometimes other countries um, and even locally. And typically we would get um, about six months, one weekend a month, and we'd have a full weekend with um, incredible teachers. You know, of course, people like Rosemary Gladstar or Christopher Hobbs or um, Kevin Spellman, um, Candace Canton, like so many people um, have come through, Mindy Green, um, and on various topics and different themes. And so it was a great way for so many of us to get back in community with like the Herbies we went to class with and reconnect and meet new friends, but also this chance to um, just by Jane's magnetism and deep friendship with many of these herbalists um, to get to have access like right in our own neck of the woods and go up to school and um, learn and um, just get re-inspired and um, so yes so I think the one thing we do Allison will probably agree here a lot after our first year I was like when will you offer more and offer this and bring back this and um, 
that level of enthusiasm is very, very motivating for us. And now that I think we have gotten through our first year and we, we're in a space where we can um, really open up and start thinking about that and planning ahead. And so stay tuned. There's going to be some good things on the horizon, I promise. Yes. Maybe we'd love to have you out. Yeah, uh-huh. we'd love to have yeah. you out, Jessica I was say, I got to do visiting teachers with Jane, and it you was, did. like, I almost cried. Only because it's like, this is the very first classroom. Well, I mean, Moonrise Derbs, the beginning with those was there. But the 10-month, you know, I was just like, oh, my God, this is where it really started for me. So to come back as a teacher was like incredible, but you know, the days before online classes and the internet, like we in our very isolated bubble of humble really got to be exposed to so many different teachers because of Jane's friendship with people from all over the world. Um, but also her like encouragement for us to like have more than one perspective. Um, but also yeah. just like, yeah, having all of those people in our backyard we were so lucky and now it's a little different because of online classes but as we know there is nothing like being in person learning those herbs sniffing that tea drinking the tea you know eating the flowers in the garden like you know all of the things um which was another thing i love about dandelion herbal center is the garden and how, you know, you can harvest herbs there, you can plant herbs there, you can make tea, just that plant identification piece, which I know as a botanist is really important. Um, but just all of that, like, it's just such a great place. And I'm so glad that you ladies are there keeping it real and keeping it going. Um, because Jane does deserve a break. And um, as a little aside, if you want to know more about Jane, I did interview her in season one. So people can go back and listen to my conversation with Jane. Um, other than Jane, though, who are some of your favorite teachers? Okay, I gotta take a minute to Good think question. on this. There's so many. Good question. I mean, there's so many. You can just yeah, pick, okay. you know, we could pick two or three, and no one's feelings will get hurt if they're not on the list because there's a million of them. Yeah. Well, I will just speak to my love of seaweed for a moment. And the first person that I got to learn about seaweed, edible seaweed, medicinal seaweed, uh, what grows locally was from Autumn Summers. And she came up and I can't remember if it was part of the visiting teacher series or if it was part of the 10 month series class and she taught about seaweed. I'm not sure how it happened, but Autumn and I were out in the tide pools together as part of Dandelion Herbal Center. And that just blew blew my doors wide open. And it's been um, truly like my main passion in the plant, even though it's an algae, world for all these years <laughs> has been seaweed. So I give her major props for turning me on to that. Thank you, Autumn. Yes, thank you, Autumn, because Allison, you are just such a gift to um, have continued with, like, such deep education and um, just love for the seaweeds, and it's, like, infectious, and as one of our highlights of our 10-month herbal studies program at Dandelion Herbal Center is we do get to take an epic field trip out to one of the most, you know, beautiful places called the Lost Coast here. And um, it's truly an incredible highlight um, for the students and always myself um, for the program to really get to meet the seaweeds up and 
person and learn to hide how to identify them properly and I won't do too many spoilers but you also like make so many incredible treats and also just the level of education that you make very palpable to people to understand like seaweeds have so much medicine and are such allies to us and you will never look at like the ocean the same and um so thank you i just i honor that um and i love how the lineage of like you know those first teachers in your your early burgeoning years like influence you like that so i guess i'll i could follow um in the sense that um people that know me um also know just like you jess um I got very into aromatherapy. I was always very into herbalism, but then, you know, there's these certain branches and um, that you can explore. And so aromatherapy really spoke to me. And um, I always had this book that I coveted by Mindy Green. And um, when I got to meet her, it was like just super inspiring. She came out for visiting um, herbal, you know, teacher um, series at Jane's. And, um, I had read her books and she inspired me to make my first lotion and continue on to get various certifications that led me down a very, very long um, path with aromatherapy. And um, just from taking care of your skin to how aromas work on the brain and help with stress. And um, so she was really, really inspiring to me. And I can't also not um, mention that for me, one of the most incredible teachers besides Jane was Rosemary Gladstar. I mean, getting to take multiple classes with her when she's come out to to visit and be a part of the Visiting Teachers series, um, or when I've seen her at conferences, um, I think all of us know, hands down, I mean, there is just such a divine truth and sparkle and light and authenticity in how she lives this green path and um just has unconditional love it feels like for all of us and um just is willing to share with such kindness all the things she's learned and her stories and it's just a wealth of nonstop inspiration and i also have gotten to witness jane and jane bothwell and rosemary gladstar together and they are longtime friends and Jane was, you know, Rosemary's student at one point. So just to hear their story and and watch them together is like, you know, um, inspiration square. It's like just, uh, and then to see the deep friendship and I like look at you, Jess and Allison, like, wow, I can flash back to like 20 years ago when the herb brought, the plants brought us together. And, and here we are still on our, our plant path or our herb walk now with Jess and um, <laughs> the friendships that they create and the space to hey let's get together and make a lotion today or let's go harvest nettles today um, it's not something that you can do with every friend and that's okay but to have your, your special herbalist of the heart um, whether you live in the same county anymore or not is a, a, a thread that will bind us forevermore and so yeah, so grateful. Thanks for all those kind Me words, too. Jess. Yeah. I want to give um, a shout out to another one of my favorite teachers. Her name is Sandra Selman, and she was my grandma. 
And she was a dispenser in England in the late 1930s, early 1940s. And a dispenser is the English equivalent of a pharmacist. But at that point, what was being used as the medicinal substances were, were um, 95% plant material. So she was, you know, an herbalist of her day that was um, registered with the with the country. She was certified herbalist or dispenser. And it was something that once I realized, you know, back to your first question there, Jessica, about how did we first get started with herbalism, I didn't know that that was what it was called until I was in my early 20s and connected up with one friend who was studying with Dandelion Herbal Center and really opened my eyes to that. But she would always share her old tools of the trade with me. She had some really interesting, like, um, uh, percolators for creating tinctures and um, uh, these dispensing tools for, like, filling jars and tubes with different oils or salves. And we would check those out. And um, she'd show me her old textbooks from back in the day. And it was all talking about what to do with coriander and cumin and cardamom and um, also some very intense plants like belladonna and um, cocaine and things that were sourced from like all over the world but those were digitalis these were the medicines of the day so she really taught me a lot and I I feel that in my that this is the, the lineage that I come from in a way my mom was a pharmacist which became the more modern version of that in the United States, for better or worse. Um, and so I feel like I'm sort of circling back to, to my grandma each time I'm working with plants. And so even though she is not in the earthly plane anymore, I still continue to learn so much from her and to be inspired by, by her, her way of working with plants. Hmm. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, Thank you, Sandra. thanks, Sandra. Yeah, that's can I, have, awesome. can I share one more too? Of course, yes. <laughs> we'll just have um, an episode on favorite teachers. I'm totally no, no, no. fine with that. I can, I can stop. I'm not like, what about? And now we let's never stop talking about the people we love. <laughs> well, of course, I mean, you've been a great teacher to me too, Jessica. Um, but also, yes, Allison, that is like epic. I'm, I'm so grateful um, to hear. Um, that like such a deep connection throughout your, your family line is beautiful. Um, but I um, want to honor one of my teachers that came into my life, oh, I'd probably say like six or seven years ago. And again, this was on my offshoot path of studying aromatherapy, but then getting into distilling. And so Anne Harmon, Annie Harmon, I love you. Um, she is um, a teacher up in Spokane, Washington, and um, she is a very renowned, well-known um, distiller and teacher of distilling. But what I really connected her with her on is that she is also a botanist and an herbalist. And that doesn't always, you know, that isn't always a super common theme in that realm. And so when I spent four years um, going to every workshop of hers in Spokane, I possibly could. And it opened up so many doors for me, not only from exploring what alchemy is and a whole other way to 
work with plants, but because she was anchored in her love of herbalism and botany, there was just this other um, level of education she could provide us as budding distillers to, of course, you know, respect the plant materials and know how to properly identify plants before you harvest a bunch or grow a bunch to put into a still um, and various techniques. And um, it just was such a world of, of magic. And um, I just, I just adore her so very much and I'm so grateful for, um, yeah, opening up um, the door to what we would call our Hogwarts school because she would teach a place called Beaux-Arts Mansion and it's an old Tudor Gothic um, mansion and it is just so neat to roll up and just see copper stills all over the place and piles of plants she was bringing in and um, she's very humble and um, her wisdom is deep and so I just, I honor Annie Harmon. Um, for, yeah, putting me on a way deeper path of um, a way I felt like I really connected with plants in um, a whole new way than I had with, um, you know, making infusions and decoctions. It was um, just for me something that really opened a door to like truly plant spirit medicine, a way I um, discovered I could connect with the plants in another realm. And that really spoke to my spirit and um Annie opened those doors and I also got to meet incredible friends that were also fellow distillers and some were herbalists and um, she also brought teachers um, from around the world out to teach at these workshops that was uh, pretty life-changing for me so I just want to give thanks for that. Thank you both for sharing your love of other people and just your willingness to like learn even from you know the realms beyond, right? Your grandma is still teaching you things and you're still open to the teachings. I feel like in so many, so many times we're like, I've learned it all. I've done it all. And it's like, there's no way we could ever learn it all or do it all. There's always a teacher. There's always multiple teachers, you know, the being the plants themselves. And of course, you know, other, other humans and my little doggy just came to say hello to me, you know, just learning compassion and kindness from a dog, you know, like all of it. Yeah. So many teachers. Um, my, I want to share my first memory of Rosemary Gladstar because it kind of goes into the next topic I want to talk about, which is, you know, plant conservation. Um, mm -hmm. But the first time I heard um, Rosemary speak, she Jane had brought her to town and she was uh, teaching at uh, a class at um, Moonrise Herbs and she you know was in a room with a bunch of people who grew weed because a lot of us herbalists also grew cannabis and she was like raise your hand if you grow any other plant other than weed and like me and a couple other people like raised her hand and she was like, so you're, you're herbalists here. You're all, you all love plants. And yet like most of you probably grow weed and not that many of you are growing other plants. And in places like Humboldt, we were so lucky to have wilderness areas where we were wildcrafting ethically, but we could go and wildcraft a lot of the herbs that we utilized on a daily basis, right? Like you were mentioning, let's go harvest nettles. Like I can think of like, 10 patches in my head of like where we could go harvest nettles. But there's a lot more herbalists now than there used to be. There's a lot more people curious and enthusiastic and 
with the joys and the pitfalls of things like Instagram and other social media, right? There's all these people posting pictures of like mushroom foraging and harvesting herbs and harvesting plants. And like my heart breaks because we, we know through the United Plant Savers, you know, 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, there were so many plants that are at risk or at watch for being over harvested. And now I just feel like it's so much more dire and there's so much more concern. So for those who do love the wildcraft, because I know we all do, what advice do you give to people? And like, because everyone's like, just take a third. But if everybody takes a third, a huge patch gets diminished. And we don't know it's been diminished by because 30 people came before us and took a third or, you know, the old rules like just don't seem to apply. Yeah. So yep. what do you think about that? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, well, I would say one rule of thumb in my book is make it, it should look like nothing happened there when you take plant material from the wild. Like you should only be harvesting from places that are so abundant that if you clip a little here and a little over here and a little over here that you're not even noticing a difference. Um, and this, we're in a hard spot because one of my main kind of mission points here in uh, teaching with Dandelion Herbal Center is to really emphasize the bioregional herbalism part, mm -hmm. that it's really the plants in our backyards that we should be reaching for instead of things that are grown on other continents. If, you know, there is an analog there that we can be using. And that really varies by plant. I mean, I'm looking out my window right now. I live in the redwood forest. You would like to harvest some redwood needles for making tea or body oil or um, hydrosols. You knock yourself out. <laughs> you know, the, there are enough redwood needles to go around. I'm also looking at this beautiful little patch of wild ginger. You would like to harvest wild ginger? Okay, let's be a little bit more selective there and how we're doing that. It's not that one plant is more special than the other, but just the, the levels of vary of abundance from plant to plant so much. And some plants have a very restricted range. Some plants grow prolifically in so many different places. You know, we always like to emphasize the weeds. Go for the weeds. You, you knock yourself out harvesting chickweed, you know, <laughs> um, or dandelion or yellow dock or uh, plantain. You go for it. I mean, these plants just have such a wide range, but I notice this a lot in the tide pools. The seaweed that we're harvesting, its range is pretty restricted. It only grows on this narrow strip of coastline where the ocean meets the shore and only in select spots along that coastline. And so I, I feel myself holding back sometimes in my teaching because I don't want to emphasize plants or plant-like things, like the marine algae, that um, I feel might be impacted if, if people get excited about harvesting them. Yeah, that's something I really struggle with. And what do you think, Jess? Oh, I, I agree with all of that much and um yeah i think it is it's um so important to focus on your abundant plethora of bioregional medicine um you know we have the trilliums here that um often take seven years to just produce a flower and um those that don't know um you know might even just pick a flower because it will look pretty on their 
table that it's not even something that really is um, talked about in, in medicine anymore because of its um, status of being, you know, threatened so much. So, but when I look out my door, I also too have plenty of redwood trees around abundant and um I'll never forget learning from um, these wonderful herbalists in the, the UK that were very much the, the hedgerow herbalists, right, which I really resonated with, talking about the English daisy, the Bellis perennis, which my front yard is more Bellis perennis than it is grass. And for them, it was their analog to arnica, which there's a lot of issues with arnica and um you know, it's it's not that easy to get and how it likes to grow and high elevation. And when they told me that they have had extensive, you know, um, practice in harvesting the English daisy flowers and infusing them into oil and would use them kind of as a substitute for bruising and um, first aid purposes, um, I just was like, oh my goodness, I I knew I could put these on my salads and things like that, but this is just like so abundant and grows very easy. Um, and so things like that, I also, I guess, just have my own other kind of side perspective because in addition to um, co-directing the Dandelion Herbal Center with you, Allison, I have also worked as a community herbalist for 21 years now at an herbal apothecary called Humboldt Herbals. And Jessica, you have worked there with me way back when. Yes. And um, so I have also that kind of perspective of um, not even following trends, just hearing about them because of, you know, customers or, uh, you know, just people coming in and saying they saw this on TikTok or heard this on some interview or podcast and um, things are getting really popular and hyper focused on when um I'll never forget a customer was like what's your most exotic thing looking at this wall of like 200 plus bulk herbs that mind you come from around the globe and so it is a big impact we have um it would be lovely to think everything was you know grown in in some sustainable fashion domestically but it is a global effort and it is a, a big impact um and so yeah when he asked me like what the most like exotic designer thing i had i said you're you're going to probably chuckle at my answer because i'm i really just want to talk about dandelions to you right now <laughs> what's an understated plant that I have in here that I feel like we do have an abundance of and that most of us have in our backyard somewhere or a friend's backyard um and you know the dandelions are everywhere and they're very easy to um spread themselves and there is such amazing medicine there I think one thing too along with how Allison was mentioning kind of like make it look like you hadn't really been there and made an impact is also um, considering those ways we can um, do things to like replant root crowns or spread some seeds um, and do kind of our own little recipro you know, reciprocity there of um, giving back as well as um, definitely many of our students um, hear me say this a lot. I don't harvest for the next five years at one time. You know, it's very seasonally based for me. And I usually try to encourage people, especially when they're first starting out, to make 
smaller batches of things, you can get so excited and like feel like you're just like, you know, finding this patch and you're in it and you just you can easily just get carried away and take too much and make too much. And unless you've like already through journaling and keeping your records, see what kind of medicine you're going to turn that into and how quickly you're going to go through it. But I really encourage everybody to just be working uh, within their year of season. So, you know, how much, you know, nettle do I go through in spring and how much tincture realistically do I need to make this year in hopes that next year I can go out and, and harvest again. So it's kind of those forward thinking of like, do I really need to make a gallon of that um, if it's just for my personal use and family and friends when also plenty of other people I know are making things. Um, and I love how a lot of times when we are on herb walks, um, you know, introducing students to plants and Allison is, you know, wonderful with like really giving some great beginner botany lessons there, you know, we'll come across like our native and our non-native blackberries and we'll talk about how, um, you know, raspberry leaf is so popular in different tea blends and, um, you know, very sought after plant um, for all types of its nutritive and tonifying properties. It's one and my other job that I sell a lot. We use in a lot of our tea blends, um, but it's 50 50. It's, it's even coming domestically. And it doesn't mean I don't honor what's happening around the world, obviously, that other people are growing or wild crafting herbs, but, um, you know, there's a whole other side of these things. And so, we really like to focus on like you can use the either of these types of, of blackberry leaves as your own substitute for raspberry leaf. And so many, you know, people don't really know that. And so just giving these alternatives because we have such an abundance of those like everywhere. And I guess going back to the redwood, which is very unique bioregional medicine to us, it's something often that is in many of our people's backyards or accessible and many folks have not even ever experienced a cup of redwood needle tea or conifer needle tea for that matter so getting to just like I don't know talk and engage and share and coming from just kind of a more open-hearted space but also with that deep plant protector inside because we are the voices for the plants in some ways um, to speak up for them and to share through our hearts educating and um you know letting people enjoy this cup of redwood needle tea that you're not going to come into the herb shop really and find redwood needles dried there um but they're going to be all in your backyard and they're packed with vitamin c and great for our common colds and crud that goes around here and for cough syrups and there's a lot of fun preparations you can do and i also do love human body oils um so i think just keeping love for the plants at the heart of all of this it's kind of my way to speak to other people's hearts to get on board and, um, you know, pull in the reins. And um, it's so easy with, I mean, all the beautiful imagery that float around on social media and the awesome recipes, um, but just really seeing what is abundant and looking into that in your own backyard, in your own neck of the woods um, that's relative to your bioregion and trying to focus on those kind of things. And then you, we do have a lot of um, plants that are common all over, like Allison had listed off. Plantain is usually something you can find almost anywhere. Dandelions are almost something you can find 
anywhere and it's exciting to greet those friends in different states or other countries that you travel to um, and they're to me just a sign of those incredible wayside weeds that we often kind of overlook um, not only the the incredible um, medicine that they have to offer um, but yeah to be honored and um, it's just all about the love of the plants, I feel like, and um, I'm all for standing up for that. And I know, Jessica, you also are in this realm of aromatherapy with me, and that's like a whole another, you know, avenue of where there's a lot of plant material used. And so um, at Dandelion Herbal Center, we have a full day where I, I immerse everybody in the, you know, practices and, and beautiful aspects of how essential oils um, can be part of your your repertoire as an herbalist um, but often I focus on the herbalism aspect first and steaming with the you know peppermint leaves in water versus using any sort of drop of essential oil first right getting some fresh thyme from the garden and um, making tea from that versus um, you know putting something in honey and taking it internally um, so there's just these different ways through the, the various branches of herbal medicine and aromatherapy where I just feel like just sharing. And a lot of people just don't know until they know, and then they can spread that to others. And um, I agree about your first interaction with Rosemary and like the whole um, conservation aspect and looking into United Plant Savers and other organizations um, where you can find some of this education and um, a better understanding. And I have noticed certain plant ID books recently are emphasizing more of those things and also having their own guidelines or um, their own approach to doing sustainable or ethic wild crafting um, however you you know want to term it um, which I think is a really really important emphasis as far as you know not taking too much but taking it properly taking it so the plant can continue to reproduce and thrive um, you know we want it to be a win-win situation these plants are giving us such medicine and truly the pure air we breathe and what can we give back? And sometimes that might not be to take anything at all and um, just honor them and give thanks. Yeah, it reminds me of like, I don't have kids, but what we, you know, what I've heard other people tell their children is like, touch with your eyes. Like, I think that's all we need to do sometimes is just look and observe and acknowledge, you know, without, you know, we're such like a taking, taking, taking species and so it would be nice we're consumers we consume we all we do is consume so it's yes. kind of like yeah there's some hardwiring in there where we're like whoa gotta like and i mean i think many of us i mean go through this as herbalists you know i mean i've been there before like hmm i may like not like taking like taking and making too much and be like wow what was i thinking you know so you it's you know you're gonna have those moments but that you learn from it and you have humility with that um and yeah, you're willing to just uh, yeah pull the reins in a little bit there. One well, thing I'd like I... to encourage people to do too is if there is a plant that you know you love making medicine with that is a wild plant that's not wildly abundant is to try and grow it yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, in my yard, I have this beautiful patch of Aurelia californica growing, the California spikenard. I love to make tincture with the berries. I love to make honey with the root. 
but yet it's a plant that I don't really want to impact as wild populations. Turns out if I just harvest a couple berries, pop them in the ground, I can start my own patch growing here. And then I am attracting wildlife to my yard. And I have this little patch that I can harvest from. Yep. And that's what I was going to say, if at all possible, in small amounts. People are like, I don't have the space for like a huge garden. Doesn't take that much to make medicine. And especially like the realistically, unless we're working with a lot of clients and making our own medicine, we're always going to have more than we can use, even if we make a small amount, you know? Um, yeah, yes, I so agree with you because I typically don't have much room to garden. But what I've learned is once you know, like a bunch of herbalists or just a few herbalists that like, you know, Allison would share some spikenard berries with me or Aurelia berries with me. Um, I, I would say, welcome, come over and, and grab some, you know, English daisies out of the front of my yard. It is something I do have. So I love the like way we can connect, even if maybe you can't per se, you know, grow that much or try just growing any little amount that you can. And then from there, we can connect and network and share what we do have abundance of that we've been able to perhaps take tiny little bits from the wild to establish a patch or something like that. I, I have a lot of like nettles in this one little back part of my yard. And I, I love when the time is right to, to share that with others. And that's a way for me when I've been like, Oh, I, I just, I don't have like, you know, the, the right conditions to be able to grow certain things. Well, then you start connecting. Cause it's like you said, usually there's, it's just so abundant once things start getting going. And that's such a part of the beauty of the plants and the people that we get to share and exchange these things together. Absolutely. Um, I, I just want to, a couple more things I want to cover with you ladies. And, you know, one, you know, speaking about our roadside weeds and our favorite, you know, things that we want to like, everybody wants something exotic and we're like, no, dandelion. That's way more exotic than you would ever imagine. It travels all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, so you have another way of reaching people to educate them because, you know, we need more educators who are going to talk about things like, yeah, you know, how important it is that we're not taking too much and loving the plants and botany and all of those things. So you have a new podcast, The Dandelion Diaries. Um, tell us about it so other people can listen. You know, my listeners also want to listen to your podcast as well. I'm pretty damn sure. Mm -hmm. Well, we're just getting started, but we've got some really, you know, great ideas that we've been simmering. And uh, our first episode is just really for people to get to know Jessica and I and really the story behind Dandelion Herbal Center. But we're excited to take people on audio herb walks and um, uh, meet local crafters in the area who are past students from Dandelion Herbal Center and what are the myriad ways that they're using the inspiration and wisdom that they gained at their at their, with their time there to um, make beautiful offerings into the world, whether it's products, farming, practices, teaching, and all these different ways. Uh, that's one of the things I'm realizing is such a joy about taking on this more active teaching role is just helping to foster that in the students. The students are amazing. Um, yeah, so looking forward to putting some more of those together and it's I'm glad we get to the hardest part which is always just to start so we did that check 
Now we need to work out some other fun ones. So where can people listen to the Dandelion Diaries? Well, thanks for asking, Jessica. You can find it right on the Dandelion Herbal Center website, which is dandelionherb.com. And at your favorite podcast listening spots like Spotify and iTunes. Okay, great. So it's out there. You're like on all the you're on all the places. You are a you know an in person herb school up in Neal in California. But can people study with you other ways as well? You know, we have been dipping toes into the world of online learning, and we do have a couple classes that you're available to enjoy anytime up on our website. One is all about seaweed, sea vegetables of the Pacific coast. I would say 90% of the class works for the East Coast, the Atlantic Coast, as well as the Pacific Coast. And this is a class that teaches you about um, seaweed identification, ethical harvesting of sea vegetables, um, how to process your harvest, how to find different species. And then we also have a cooking with sea vegetables class. So you're into seaweed cooking. What do you do with this stuff? Give you some great ideas. And we also have a class called Deepening Your Intuition for Herbalists and Healers as a way to bring more efficacy to your practice by deepening your intuition. So those are available anytime and they're like super, super reasonably priced, I got to say. So we want to really make things accessible to people. It's valuable information and we want people to use it. And those are all at dandelionherb.com. Perfect. Um, you know, one thing that I forgot to ask when I asked about favorite teachers um, is favorite plants. Like everyone, you know, again, everyone's going to say this is their favorite herb. So I just want you each to pick one that you just want to like share just a little moment of like, this is why I love this plant so much. And I know we've talked about redwood. You're allowed to talk about redwood again. That is like obviously one of our favorites, but I'll just say in this moment right now, it's. It, and it has been one of the first plants I was like introduced to, and I think many herbalists um, are. But stinging nettle—it's—it's just um, even though we've had crazy weather on and off recently, um, with like hail and snow, and then some sun in between, um, we do get these interesting perpetual springs on on the coast here. And so um, it was one of the first plants I remember we meet, meeting in the wild and um, and the stinging nettle is just for me it's like um, there's something about that initiatory sting I do get every year that I have mild enjoyment from and I do know there's you know lots of medicinal history behind its sting but um, to me it's just kind of like this it, this wake you up electricity you know this um, vitality and um, the, just the green just is something that just really just enlivens my spirit and it is just so deeply nutritive and it's one of my favorite um, um, wild foods to work with and I recently I want to say I've made um, nesto or nettle, stinging nettle pesto at least three different times in the last I don't know a week and a half um, and then I recently made some um, nettle um, cupcakes 
with rose vanilla icing, which was like a fun treat to whip those up for some of my herby friends. Um, but just a bit like, you know, just your classic infusion of nettle is just the essence of the green. And it really always does bring me back to my, my budding years as um, a newbie in herbalism. And um, one of those first plants I felt like I could share information about with other people and then get excited about. And I'll never forget when I moved into my house like 10 years ago, um, like I had mentioned earlier there, I have a little, a really cool little patch that has just, um, you know, already pre-existed in one of my area of my backyard. And with all the redwoods, I've got a lot of shade, so there's not usually a lot that can grow. And so when I was moving in, I discovered it. I was like, I cannot believe that there's already like this patch of stinging nettle here. And one time I was in my backyard and my neighbor was on his deck and he could see that I was coming out just, you know, clipping little tops. And he was like, aren't those stinging nettles? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, yes, they're filled with medicine. And then, you know, got into the conversation with him. And I said, I see you have some on the side of your yard too. <laughs> if ever I need a little more, can I walk over? And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything with those. Like, I've always just known they would sting me. And so... Um, it's just, yeah, fun, fun conversation starter, you know, but yeah, I love nettle. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so since, since we are, <laughs> since we are, I think Jessica and I are both nettles and oats gals. We are. I was going to say wild oats. That's so funny. And when I conjure up an image in my head of my happy place, like if I'm having a stressful moment and I need to just feel like, everything is okay. I picture myself laying back in a patch of wild oats and looking up at their little tops swaying over my head and blue summer sky up above. And for me, that is so deeply relaxing to be held by the plants like that, to be laying back in them and just be surrounded. And it's a plant that, I mean, I drink infusion of wild oats whether it's the tops or the entire oat straw, almost every day. It's just like such a go-to part of my life. And um, part of that is because I, I'm trying to build up my bone strength. That is one of my health challenges. And so I'm like, all right, this is especially good medicine for me. I love the flavor. It like pairs well with anything you want to include with it pretty much. And um, I love harvesting the plant of like feeling down its long stem to a little nubby crimson colored ring that then snaps off the whole top so beautifully or even just harvesting the, the, um, the florets when they are in their milky stage and sliding your hand up and they come into this like beautiful little bouquet reminds me of being a kid and it's so fun. My kids love to help me with that process and it's a beautiful plant, and it just adds more ease and strength into my life. Thank you, oats. I love you. Yay, I love oats and nettles. They are my in my daily world as well, pretty much. And I thank you for picking such quote-unquote simple, basic plants, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's, like it's like the guy who's like exotic. I want exotic, you know? Yeah. I mean, mine, I'll just thinking of everywhere that I've lived as an herbalist yeah. that, you know, and yarrow, 
is always there. Everywhere I've ever been, she has been there, like on the land, being like, what's up? Um, And, you know, very strong tasting, right? So (laughs) not something that everybody wants to drink a cup of Yarrow tea. We have been, um, since I've moved to Oklahoma, we have the tallest Yarrow I have ever seen in my life. And I was like, what is going on with this yarrow? Like, why is it growing this way? And then I realized, oh, it's competing with that because I, I live on the plains. And um, it's competing with the prairie grasses that are so tall. So it has to be super tall to get about the prairie grass. But like, spiders love it, birds love it. Be like, just everybody's all over it. So today, right here, right now, it's yarrow, you know, tomorrow (laughs) in five minutes, it may be another plant. That's my favorite. But that one, um, is one of my go-tos for like, anytime I need like that courage, that like inspiration, that whatever, you know, of just like, I'm not feeling very strong in body or mind. I feel like yarrow is always there just to be like, no, you're strong. I got you. You got this. And so, yeah, mine is yarrow right now. Um, my last questions other than, um, and this can be a twofold. I want um, to know if you have any advice for budding herbalists or those that want to learn more about herbs or just, you know, some connection to nature. Maybe they're not really into herbalism, but they are into connecting with nature in a different way. Do you have any advice or just inspiration for them? I would say step one is go outside and look closely at what you're seeing. Um, I feel like unless you are a very lucky person who grew up with adults or mentors in your life who could help interpret the natural world for you, if that was just part of the culture of your growing up, it all looks like one big intimidating green blur. And it's hard to tell, to notice the differences from one plant necessarily from another. And so helping to helping yourself to break through that green blur by learning individual plants, common plants, that then you'll see in all sorts of different places that you go and you'll start to recognize them as friends feels very comforting and supporting just as like a gateway to help to build those relationships with our our great green world. Get to know who they are, who's out there, right outside your door, wherever you may be. Great advice. Thank you. Yes. I remember when it wasn't a great big green blur anymore. When I was like, oh my gosh, I see it now. Like I totally get the nuances of, you know, the differences of the leaf shape or even the shades of green, all of it. So yes, please go outside. I love that. Yes, I definitely agree. And I just love how Allison like put that beautifully, like the blur and just like go out and immerse yourself in it. And I think I just want to like, I would just say too, like from my own personal experience too, it can seem a little intimidating at first. And um, there can be areas of herbalism that like don't seem accessible for everybody. And for me, a big, a big part of my heart is the, the medicine of the people. And so you don't need to have access to too much or know very much to actually make um, friends with the plants and celebrate the diversity of all of us that have access to plant medicine 
and um, it's there for everyone. And um, to just um, just know the plants love you and you're welcome, even if it's t noticing something bursting through the sidewalk, you know, the cracks of concrete. Um, because not everybody I do recognize gets to live in such beautiful wooded areas or areas with forests. So even in urban environments, um, parks or any little places of nature that you can get yourself to and connect. Um, and then eventually you will notice those green friends and maybe get a couple pots that you can put on, you know, a little apartment deck or something like that to connect yourself um, with getting to like tend to um, the life of a plant and bring it in your your world that way um and i do want to say as like getting further along let's say you're actually starting to make some things and you either have some books or you've done a little you know a class here or there um one of my favorite things to always try to remind people is try to write all these things down journal like what you're putting together whether it turns out good or not whether it feels like it works or not like if you're starting to like experiment with just even simple teas it could just be you know infusing peppermint in some water um just notating things and then as you get a little further along um you're gonna just get to see this amazing progression of um what you've done with the plants and what they've taught you and you can then reflect and see that you're you're, you're gaining um some momentum and um of what you're learning and what you're experiencing through your all your senses um and to label everything label 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 <laughs> label your jars label your tinctures label your oils like you always think you might remember what was in that one bottle you poured off you're like i'm good i, I just got a quick go i gotta get to work or whatever and you look at this brown bo amber bottle later later and you're like shoot what's it what was it what was in there and you won't always know by like trying to taste it um and it might not be something that's like fit for everybody and so i have made that mistake a few different times even when i'm like oh i'll remember um but yeah start a journal and track some things because it's fun and um label your preparations accordingly um, with at least a name and a latin name and a date <laughs> with the just the most basics right there <laughs> and most of all just truly welcome in the the love of the plant they love you and we love them and it's um for me um They've become so many of my my best friends, and yeah, through this crazy world nowadays, it's they can offer us um, refuge, and they are allies. And um, just to know, it's they're here for everybody, and they don't judge, and um, they have unconditional love for us, and we should have unconditional love for them, and it's gonna just. Uh, open a whole new world when that green blur turns into this friend and that friend and we all know our friends with their different personalities and likes and dislikes and um their characteristics and that's like a way i love to um meet and greet um my plant friends and ones i know i'm gonna oh i'm feeling this way like i need the sturdiness of this redwood medicine today and i'm just literally gonna go out and put my hands on the bark and ground with such an amazing strong resilient tree um and that exchange is for me it's free and it's accessible and um 
I'm just very, very, very grateful. So yeah, most of all, just and also enjoy, 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 and have fun with it. Absolutely. One very, yeah. um, one very practical tool that I want to toss out there for helping to bring that great green blur into focus is if you can, if you're feeling even the slightest bit tech savvy, to add the iNaturalist app onto your phone. And this is a incredible community-based science platform that's free for everyone to use that helps you identify plants and see where they are growing, what times of year they're leafing out, when they're flowering, when they've gone to seed. Uh, incredibly useful. That's something else I reach for almost every day. Great app. At, yes, at I don't use own. that one. But <laughs> I don't use that app, but I use a different one. But I'm going to get that one too. Thank you. Um, and just to end, would you please share all of your contact information? And if you have social media accounts you want to like have people look at, um, feel free to name them all. Alrighty. Thank you for that plug opportunity. Our website is dandelionherb.com. And you can find us on Instagram, follow along with what we're doing at Dandelion Herbal Center, and on Facebook, Dandelion Herbal Center. And if you're over at our website, I encourage folks to sign up for our newsletter, which um, will help keep you in the loop about upcoming classes. And we love sharing fun recipes and seasonal rituals and um, all sorts of behind-the-scenes action over there on our newsletter. Great. Well, thank you, ladies, for taking the time to speak with us and to share your knowledge and your love of plants. And um, I can't wait to see you both again whenever that yeah. time may be. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Um, thank so you thank so much, Jess. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us on today. Yeah, I can't wait to see you again in person. Thanks for having us on. Of course. Thank you. Love you, ladies. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. again for listening to the herb walk with jessica baker you can always find me at, on instagram at jessica baker underscore herbalist or at the clone city if you're interested in my cannabis work um and thank you david phipps for my theme song the the old girl theme song and to z man brown for editing these podcasts i couldn't do it without you until we meet again thank you mm -hmm.